We are so glad that you are here with us um, this morning, and I want you to know that I want to express that uh, to you over and over and over again, how much we are so excited that you are here. And, and I realized this morning that there was um, so many things that you could be doing. Um, There's other places you could be, and, but you chose to be with us today and to worship with us today. And, and I hope you heard my, my, my wording there. You came to worship with us, and, uh, and we are excited to worship with you as well. And uh, we pray that when you walk in those doors. Now, you may be a three stories. Those the, the theme was that God places value on the on the soul of man. I want you to know that today. We were singing that song, Oh, How He Loves Us, and that is so true. God truly loves you and I today, and He places value on your on your soul. And, and so much uh, to the fact that if you were the only one here on earth, God would have still sent His Son to die on the cross for you. Uh, that's how much He loves us. And that's the theme of these three stories was the fact that God places value on the soul of, of men. And also um, along with that that theme was the urgency to find that which was lost about this journey. And, and I got to tell you that it was very um, interesting as I was reading the story over and perhaps you have uh, read the story. You've heard it preached many, many times as well. And, uh, but when I was looking from the son's perspective, there were some things that just popped off the page. And one of it was the fact that his journey in that far away country perhaps didn't go the way he's planned. There's no, there's not a person in this building that can convince me that when he left home, he thought, man, I can't wait to end up in the pig pen. There's not anybody in this room that can convince convinced me that the guy said, I'm leaving home and spending all my money and wasting everything on righteous living. What we had planned failed. That is the hardest thing to do is to admit to ourselves that it didn't go the way we planned. And that son's first step home was the hardest. And the, the third thing that we thought about in this perspective of the son was this, and that was that the thought of facing his father was terrifying until he saw his father. His father's response to him coming back home was overwhelming and it brought great joy to him. And my father's not, he's not gonna bend me over his knees, not gonna whoop me. My father's embraced me. My father absolutely loves me. And the fourth thing that we looked at from the son's perspective. Now, again, this is the son's perspective. Today, we're going to be looking at it from the father's perspective. But from the son's perspective, this journey home, he was like, man, the journey home was worth it all. It was worth it. Now, every story along with us in Luke chapter 15, it is in the ESV version that we'll be reading. Now, we want you to read along. And I hope, I hope those four things that we just talked about, um, I hope that you see it in this perspective as we read the story. But I want you to also keep your mind interested in the father's perspective and because that's what we're going to be talking about today. Luke chapter 15 verse 11 um, goes like this and he said there was a man who had two sons. He had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father give me the share of property that is coming to me and he divided the property. Father divided the property between them. Not many days later the younger son gathered all he had and divided uh, and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. I want you to look at verse 14. If you have your Bible, if you have the hard copy, underline this. If you don't highlight it, however you can. But how many of you guys ever thought to yourself, man, when it rains, it pours. Um, and, and, and I want you to look at this story. For this young man, he came to the end of his, of his means. He had no more money. I mean, he hit rock bottom, and all of a sudden, there was a famine in the land. I mean, was it just, um, in my opinion, it wasn't just enough to run out of money, but now there's this famine that, is, that has struck not just his life, but all the lives around him. It just got worse, is what I'm trying to point. 
It's like when, it, when, when bad goes to worse. And in this man's life, he spends everything, and then all of a sudden, it just got worse. And verse 4, 15 says, And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field, his field to feed pigs. He became a servant. In verse 16, And he was longing to be fed from the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And but when he came to himself, when he, when this aha moment happened in his life, he said, "How many of my father's hired servant has more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer to I'm no longer to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. That's what I've been doing all this time since I've been gone. I've just been a hired servant." So I would rather work for you. Verse 20 says, and he arose and he came to his father and by, and, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, now there was no conversation between his son here. It was just to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put the ring on his, on his hand and put shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf. The father said, and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but he is found and they begin to celebrate now the older son would be one of the perspectives that we'll be talking about next week the older son was in the field and as he came came and drew near to the house he heard music and lots of dancing and he called to one of the servants and asked what do these things mean and he said to him your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. The son was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. And he answered his father and he said, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat, but that I might celebrate with my friends. But when his son, but when this son of yours come, came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes and, and you killed the fattened calf for him. Him. And he said to him, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Would you bow your heads in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And God, we thank you so much for opening our eyes, perhaps, Father, the son's perspective last week. But this week, Father, we pray that you anoint our ears and our hearts to receive your word, Father, from the father's perspective. How did he see this story? How did he see it play out, Father? How was the return of his son? And what did he feel? And so, Father, today, I pray, Lord, as we begin to, to express this and be able to um, articulate this, Father, I pray, Lord, that you will help me. I give you glory, Father. And uh, in Jesus' name, we say amen and amen. It, it, it is difficult to read this story and not wonder how the son would have wrote it. 
Now, last week we talked about it from the son's perspective and how he may have wrote this story, but it would be hard to read this story and very difficult to not to think, how would this father write this story? How would he write this story from his perspective? And it would be very difficult to not to think about how would the brother write this story? And all three aspects and three perspectives here um, comes together in one story that Luke writes. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but Luke is writing not from a personal perspective. Luke, Luke wasn't around. He didn't, he wasn't with Jesus when Jesus told this to the disciples, this parable. He had no clue. He didn't have a firsthand information on the story. So what he wrote, writes in this story was from other people's perspective. What people passed down from generation, how they told the story. And so Luke shares with us today a story of a son, a father who had two sons. One goes to a far country and one come and he comes, he comes back and he tells it from the perspective of others, perhaps as well. And I want you to allow me, allow me to be creative. I asked you to allow me that last week and you did a great job. And so allow me to be creative with a narrative of this story in not only in the son's perspective this morning, but in the father's perspective um, as well. So I'm going to give you four things this morning. And I hope I just make you really think. And this is, um, I see that it is a, it's 11 o'clock. It's 11.08. And I'm going to do my very best um, to push these 15 pages to you very quickly. Um, I preached from seven last week and now we got 15. So I added eight. I don't know why. Here we go. You guys ready? He's like, we preached 45 minutes last week and you added added eight more pages. Here's the first one. The moment, I want you to think this from the father's perspective. All right. Here's a father saying the moment that my son left was the moment my heart broke. I want you to think about that for a moment this morning because I want you to feel this this morning. I want you to think about your heavenly father as he looks at you and as he loves you and as he cares about your life and as he's very concerned about your soul. And the moment that you left him and the moment you turned your back on him, the moment you went into a far country, the Bible says, I, I, believed, I believe that the father heart broke. You see, in this story, I can imagine, I want you to imagine with me your child asking for his inheritance and, and that he or she could to pursue life in a far country. Just think about that. And the day that he or she left, it had and it would break your heart, just as well as it was mine. But it had to break the father's heart. And you see his response. And I look at the response of the story from Luke's perspective, and it simply says this. It says that when the, when the son left, um, the Bible says that when he comes back, his father sees him from a far distance. He, it was his response. He runs to him. He kisses him. He says to his servants, I want you to bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and let us celebrate this morning. And, and I can only look at these verses and say, my goodness, it had to break the father's heart when he left because there was great joy when his son returned. There was this great joy to see his son from a far distance to be coming down the road that he ran and he hugged him and he kissed him and he says to his servants, go get the fattened calf. You see in verse 24, it says this, and this is the the father's response. And I want you to hear his heart this morning. He looks at his son and he tells the servants, he says, servants, listen, go get the fattened calf because my son was dead and he's alive. There was this great joy down deep and he said, my son was dead. He was in a state where his soul was in jeopardy. And I got to tell you, he is alive now. It was this great joy. And he said he was lost, but he is found and they begin to celebrate there was you could just look at the the narrative of the story and realize that the father had great joy why because his heart was broken but his heart was being mended you see in that moment his son left there was a piece of his father left with him as well 
I, I think that we are all parents. I look around here, and there's a lot of parents in this room, and we have children. And the moment that our children walk away from us, there's this piece of our heart that leaves with them as well. I mean, even when they go off to college, when it's on a good note, and they go to college, there's a piece of your heart that goes with them. My daughters came in last week, and I got to tell you, there's something about the return of my girls coming home that the father gets so excited because my daughter is coming, coming home. And those are good notes. My, my children are not doing, hopefully not doing anything crazy in college. But what I'm saying is that when they come home, the father is so glad because a piece of my heart is in Chickasha. And I can imagine that this father here, he begins to, to rejoice. And he says, go get the fattened calf. Because all of a sudden, this moment that his son returns, his heart begins uh, to mend. And I know what you're thinking this morning. You're probably saying, Pastor, you're being way too creative in, in your thinking to say that the decisions that you and I make could break God's heart. You're probably thinking to yourself, God doesn't have feelings like that, does he? Absolutely he does. The Bible says that he's a jealous God. That's a feeling. God is, we have been created in his image, and if we have feelings. I have to say that God has feelings. God gets angry. You see, let me just take you back to Genesis. You remember the story of Noah. The Bible says that God looks down from heaven and sees Noah, and he sees everything that's happening within the earth and on the earth at the time because of the hearts of men was evil. And the Bible says that God looks down and he says, I repent that I even made I even created these people. I got to say in that moment, God said, they break my heart. The evilness that's happening on the earth is breaking my heart. It was in that moment that the father's heart was broken when he looked upon the earth during Noah's time. And yes, I have to say this morning, the moment that that man's son left, his heart was broken. His heart was broken for perhaps various reasons. I believe that the father knew. He said letting go is never easy. Um, as parents today, letting go is never easy. Allowing your son or your daughter to make their own decisions in life is a part of allowing them to live and grow. You see, God has given you and I a free will, and some of that is dangerous. I get it. Sometimes I wake up and go, God, please, I wish that you make us all robots so we don't have to experience harm or, or e evilness in our world today. But God gave you and I free will so we can make a choice to do whatever we would like. And that's, that even means if we hurt somebody. It means if we take our life for, uh, 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 take our life for, um, uh, take our life and do whatever we want to, we have that free will this morning. And maybe the father's heart was broken because he realized that the separation from the father will cause an individual to depend solely on their wisdom to make sound decisions. And that, my friend, is not good. If you lean upon your own wisdom to make sound decisions, you are wrong. Because there is nothing, listen, doing what you think is right is never right. It's not always right. How about that? Um, I, doing what you think is right is not always right, but doing what the Bible tells us is right is always right. And so it's a moment that we say, Father, I got to stay close to you. I got to know your word. I got to be in your presence because your word is what's going to teach me and guide me and direct me in all of my decision-making process, God. And to do right, I must continue to be in your, your word. And I believe that you and I living however we want to, uh, to the point that our lives are being, our, our lives are being lived without lining up with God's word breaks the heavenly Father's heart because the wages of sin is death. 
The wages of sin is death. And, and this morning, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this. Now listen, I want you to know that the wages of sin is death. And then when we look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I think this is where you'll see God's heart being broken because he says this. He says, the Lord is slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you and I, not wishing that any would perish. I think that's the moment when he realizes, because God doesn't want any of us to perish. But he knows that the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says that as we continue verse uh, 9, it says, but all should come or reach repentance. And then we have to go back to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 and finish that and say the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death. I get it. But the gift that God gives you and I, which is Jesus, that's eternal life. And it's that moment that we return back. It is noteworthy. I want you to look at this story. And and as we look at it from Luke's perspective, it is very noteworthy that the father realized that perhaps arguing with his son wasn't going to do any good. Have you ever done that? Have you ever argued with your son? They're fixing to make it, or your daughter's going to make a decision. You know it's not good for them. And you want to argue. You want to try to rationalize it with them. That's not the best plan. That's not very good. But all you're doing is you're causing more grief and more separation between you and your son or your daughter. And the father in this moment, when the son says, give me all that's mine, I'm headed out. He says, okay. He lets him go. And I believe that is because he did not try to argue with him and he didn't try to rationalize with him some because there's some people you just can't rationalize with because they've made up their mind and they're going and and they are going. And I am so thankful today that God is very patient with you and I. When we are... Um, we are just, we've made our mind up. We've made our decision. We're going to make the decision that we are, that we want to do. Um, we're going to live our life the way we want to do. No matter who it makes uh, mad, we're just going to live that way. Even if it's not according to God's word, we don't care. We're just going to make, live our life the way we want to. I got to tell you this morning, I'm so thankful that God is patient and he is waiting for you and I to return home. And so this morning, I got to tell you this, tell you this, that the moment that his son left is the moment that the father's heart broke. But I got to also tell you from the father's perspective that every day, here's the second thing I want to share with you, that every day was filled with the expectation of his son's return. Oh, I know his heart was broken, but the moment that he left, his father began to expect his son's return. Uh, you see, um, I want you to look at verse tr- uh, 23 with me this morning. It says his, um, his father looks over to his servants. Remember, his son comes home. He says, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. I just want to be a servant. And he looks over to his servants and he says, Listen, I want you to get the fattened calf and I want you to kill it. I want you, we need to eat and we need to celebrate and we need to do it right now. You see, I, I got to tell you this morning that every day was filled with the expectation of his son's return. Now, let me be creative. I can't help but to think that on that day that his son left, it broke the father's heart. But immediately, the father walked into his field. He picked out a calf, and he said to his servant, take this calf, set it aside, and fatten it up because my son's coming home. So I don't know about you, but when I just read the story, and I'm, I'm not a farmer, but I think the farmers in this building would tell you that it takes a while to fatten up a calf. It doesn't happen overnight. It may take months to really get some meat on that calf so you can, you can fry him up, <laughs> cook him. You can celebrate. 
And so I have to believe that the moment that his son left, the father immediately went out into the field and he picked a calf and he said, put him aside, guys, and I want you to fat him up because my son is coming home. And I'm sure that the servants didn't understand, but the father down deep, he understood that someday his son was going to come home. And when his son came home, they were going to celebrate it, celebrate, and they needed something to celebrate with. And they needed a calf. It was the expectation of his son returning that began on that day that he left. He began to expect his son to come home. Luke writes that when the father saw his son from afar off, he began to run. His father ran toward the son. And I got to tell you this morning, excuse me, um, I believe that our Heavenly Father waits patiently for you and I to return as well. Just like this father. Now, I believe that every day was a day filled with expectations of the return of his son. Because the father knew that one day he was coming home. Just like your Heavenly Father is is patiently waiting for you and I to return to a relationship with him. This father waited patiently just like that. And you see this morning, he would drink his coffee. I'm going to be a little creative this morning. I can just imagine this father getting up every morning at the very same time and taking his coffee and his newspaper and sitting on the porch and looking in the distance of the faraway country, expecting his son to return that day. I can just imagine the father going into the field and working the field with his servants, but constantly looking over his shoulder to see if his son was coming home that day, just in the direction of the faraway country. My son, he may come home today. And every day was filled with expectation of his son's return. It didn't matter if he was drinking his coffee. It didn't matter if he was working the field. It didn't matter if he was eating dinner with his family. He would sit and so he could look out the window in the direction of the faraway country, expecting that it could be the day that his son would return home that day because the calf was getting fattened. He was excited. He couldn't wait the day that his son would come home, his day that his son would say, God, my father, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that I left. You see, when he would eat, he would sit at the window looking. And on that day, I don't know what day it was, and I don't know what he was doing that day, but on the day that his son came home, his father was able to spot him from a far distance. That's the reason why I'm very creative today, that he was always constantly expecting his son because from a far distance, the father could see him. And I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was working in the field. Maybe he was eating his breakfast. Maybe he was, he was reading his newspaper and drinking his coffee. I don't know what he was doing that day. But what I could tell you what he was doing was he was expecting his son to come home that day. And when he saw his son, the Bible says that he ran to his son. And he grabbed his son and he embraced his son. And he loved on his son that day. He expected every day for his son to come home. And pastor, I just don't know about that. Really? I mean, he fattened that calf. He said, go get the calf that we fattened up for this, for this, for my son, for this moment, for this moment in his life when he came home. We're going to, we're going to celebrate. God has and God is expecting you return. I, I told you earlier that I'm so thankful that he's patient with me, but I'm also thankful that he's patient with you. He's patient, patient with all of us this morning, and he's constantly waiting for your return. He's longing for that moment that you say, I was wrong. God, forgive me of my sins. Allow me to be your son. And sometimes we approach him just like this son did, right? I'm not worthy to be your son. Just let me be your servant. I mean, 
I just barely want to make it to heaven. No, 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 no. You don't want to barely. No one's barely making it to heaven. You either make it or you don't. And so that moment where you say, Father, forgive me. He's been looking forward to that. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He loves you that much. Here's the third thing this morning. And I know that perhaps this morning this may not settle well with everybody. But I have watched this play out, not just within this story, but in within the lives of friends that I know. The father said, from his perspective, my son was always my son. When my son left my home, he was still my son. No matter what he was doing, no matter how he was living, no matter what his choices were, he was still my son. And I want you to allow me a brief moment to explain this. You see, the story is of a son who left home. And I believe that it could be compared to a Christian or a believer who decides to live life without accepting God's instruction or what is considered, what we could consider, someone who's backslidden, someone who has left the presence of God. It is where someone has walked away from God himself. The story could be compared to that. It's not compared this morning. It's not really intended for the one who's never accepted Jesus. You see, this story is not about someone who's never accepted Jesus. This is about a son who was a father who had two sons. And and so let me explain that even, even more. You see, it's not really intended for the one who's never accepted Christ as their savior because until we accept Jesus as our savior, we're just God's creation. And I hate to use the word just. We are God's creation. But when we accept Jesus, we become his sons and daughters. And sometimes that doesn't settle with everybody. Well, everybody's God's children. No, biblically, we are all God's creation. But when we accept Jesus as our savior, we become his children. We become heirs to the kingdom. And so when we look at the story, what we were looking at really are people who came to the knowledge of Jesus and walked away from it. And, and, and this is the moment that I want you to understand that God looks down and he said, he's, he's my son and he always will be my son. It doesn't change. I'm concerned for his soul because the wages of sin is death, but he's always going to be my son. Now, let me explain this. Verse 22 says this. It says, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And then verse 23 says, go get the fattened calf. Let's kill it. Let's kill it. And let's celebrate for my son was lost, but he has been found. You see, the father expected his son to return that not only did he fatten up the calf, but boy, he got a best, the best robe ready. He got the ring ready. He got the sandals ready. He was ready for his son's return, expecting that day. And although his son felt unworthy to be his father's son and was glad to be just a servant, the father said, my son will always be my son. See, the son was, was willing to just be the servant. He's, that's, what he, that's the role that he's been playing, right? He's been feeding pigs. He became someone's servant in that far away country. And so he came home thinking he's just going to be another servant. But the father saw him still as his son. 
That's my son. He was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but he's alive. That's my son. You've always been my son. And I love it because you've got to understand this morning the robe that his father gave his son. It was a covering for his sin. I don't know about you, but the blood of Jesus is still covering sins today. I don't, there's an old song that when we were kids we used to sing, and perhaps you sung it too. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. What can make me white as so? Nothing but the blood. And the role was that covering for his son of his sins, of that moment that he left home and wasted all of his money, the father said, I cover you. You're forgiven. It is that moment that he placed the ring on his finger. And I want you to get this this morning because his son was always his son. And when he placed the ring on his finger, it meant authority and the power of attorney. What it also means that the father restored everything that he lost. Oh, can you imagine that all of a sudden when his son returns, that now he is heir to the inheritance once again? Everything that he lost was restored. I can't fathom that. The father was willing to say, listen, I know that you went and you blew everything. It probably didn't turn out the way you planned it, but you still blew all that you had. On reckless living, the Bible tells us, And the father says, I still love you. Here's a ring. You get to make decisions within our business. You have the the say. You have the authority. And what you have lost has now been restored to you. Why? Because my son has always been my son. And your home, your home. The sandals, I love it because when I looked at the sandals and what it represents, it was the separation between the son and the servants. I have to say that when he got home, can you imagine this? He didn't have a robe. Where was his robe? I don't know where his robe was. He didn't have a ring. Where was his ring? I don't know where his ring was. He must have hocked it. I don't know. I don't know where his ring was. It was a separation of his father. It was that backslidden state. He didn't have a robe. He didn't have ring. And he didn't have sandals. Because his father's like, bring the sandals. You know what? The, the sandals separated the servants from the from the children. And he wanted to make sure that his son knew that he was no longer a servant. He was never looked at as a servant. He was always looked at as a son. And he was like, go get, the, go get my sandals. My, my son has showed up with no sandals. And I don't want anybody to think that he's a servant because he is, you got it, he's my son. My son was always my son. And nothing changes And let me just throw this in for you as parents today. You may, God forbid, God forbid that your children grow up and don't live for God. God forbid that they make decisions that you're not proud of, but they will always be your kid. You got to hear me today. They will always be your son. They will always be your daughter. And you will always treat them that way. No matter if they're living the life that you want them, no matter if they're going to church, no matter if they're professing Christianity or they've disowned it all together, they will always be your son. They'll always be your daughter. 
And you cannot wait. You will live life expecting them to come back into the fold and expecting them to live for Jesus once again because you train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. That means that there's a word still planted in their life that in, the, in a moment it could spring up. Oh, God, thank you so much that your word, your word will never return void. Thank you that you have watched over your word to perform it within our lives. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that my son was always my son. Here's the last thing I would say to you on that point is just come home. Your father is expecting your return. He's got your robe. He's got your ring. and He's got your sandals. The very things that you don't have right now because you're in a far country living the life the way you want, the way you want to live it. God says, just come home. You've always been my son. Here's the fourth point this morning. Pastor Kelly, would you come? Give me a few minutes because you'll be up here for a while. I'm sorry. She gripes at me. She'll say, you told me to come up and we waited 10 minutes before we played the song. So let me go ahead and preach this. The fourth thing is this from the father's perspective that everything had to stop when his son came home. Everything had to stop. Now, I told you just for a, minute, a few minutes ago, being very creative, I don't know what the father was doing that day his son came. I don't know if he was working in the field. I, I don't know if he was eat, eating his breakfast. I don't know if it was in the morning at noon time or uh, at nighttime that the son came home. But everything had to stop when his son came home. We realize that within the story that the Bible says that the brother, during this whole commotion, while there's a party going on, the Bible says that the brother was still out in the field working. So I would assume today, I'm just being, being um, creative, maybe the father was working at that moment too. Maybe, maybe they had all been out in the field. The servants and the brother was all out in the field working the field when the son came home and everything stopped. <laughs> I mean, the plow, the oxen is still, still parked where it was left that day because he came running to his son. Whatever he was doing, maybe he was drinking his coffee. The coffee's cold today because it's still sitting there on that table because he left it running after his son. Everything had to stop. Nothing was important any longer. The only thing that was important was his son. Only thing was important was to make sure that you embraced him and loved on him and made sure that he knew that he was always going to be his son. Nothing else mattered. Not in that moment. When his son comes. And I got to tell you this morning, I told you that we are passionately, passionately will search after your family. We will pray for your family. We will seek your family to, to watch them come into salvation with Jesus. We will do that. We are passionate of leading people into a committed relationship with Jesus Christ where they are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. I got to tell you, that's what we're going to do. But when they come, nothing else matters. I felt really bad when I went home last week because there were five hands that were raised and I didn't do a very good job. <sighs> I just continued to let everything continue on when I should have stopped everything because that was what really mattered the most. Because when the sun comes home, everything stops because that's the only thing that's important. And the father... Um, I don't know what was perhaps going on, but the brother's conversation with his father went like this. He said, he said, you see, he was still working. The, the son was still working in the field and he heard all the music and the dancing. And when he found out what was happening, he, he said, I've, I've, he said to his father, I've never left and you never threw me a party. 
The son was, he just didn't understand. He was like, hey, I've been here the whole time. I've made good decisions. I've been a good boy. But you never throw me a party. And then in verse 30, he says this. Listen to the father. He said, but when this son of yours came, this is the, the brother saying, who has devoured the property, uh, property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I want you to look at verse 32 again. It was fitting. Everything had to stop when his son came home that day because it was fitting to celebrate because the son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And everything stopped. Why? Because the soul of man is valuable. Is valuable. I Hope that this morning, that when we looked at the Father's perspective, that you'll see the characteristic of God. One that he loves. One that he's patient. He is kind. I also know that God is a jealous God, and I know that he's a, a God of wrath. I get that. I understand that. And I know the wages of sin is death. I get that. But I need you to hear me this morning. God has patiently waited for your return. Your journey home is 